There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. My name is Sam Webb and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Isn't it weird when you connect with someone and then something in the universe says, hey, we're going to reconnect you and you guys end up reconnecting. And there's always a reason for that. And I find that very beautiful. My next guest on the show today, her name is Kate Fitzsimons. I actually met Kate six years ago when she was delivering a keynote at a rugby league function up in Queensland. And this is only when living pretty much was just starting out. I was very moved. I was inspired by what Kate had to say. And since then, we've obviously kept in touch. I've been following her journey. And, you know, I'm continually in awe seeing, you know, the differences that she is making in this world, especially for young people traveling abroad. Kate's life turned absolutely upside down when her sister was killed in a horrific motorcycle accident in Thailand in 2012. So Kate has made it her life mission to educating youth and especially young people in Australia and now in the States around travel safety and how important it is for someone's life. She'd do anything in her power to take it all back, to have her sister back here, but that is not possible. So she's doing now, her life mission is to impact at least one life every single day. I'm getting Kate on the show. She's going to talk very deeply about the event itself, her sister's passing, the impact that, that had on herself and her family, how her friends were able to support her throughout those tough times, how she in particular kept it all together, things that didn't really work for her and almost anyone who's struggling right now with some sort of traumatic experience. There's some tools and some techniques that you can take away to maybe help yourself if you're struggling or to help a loved one if they're going through a tough time. But without further ado, let's welcome Kate. Welcome, Kate. How are you? I am good. I'm super pumped to be on this show. I am um, listening to some heavy rain on my roof, so I hope you guys can't hear it. It's uh, pouring here in Sydney today, but uh, I'm super excited to be here. Haven't you just got off an airplane? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I've just landed in from um, a few months over in the States. It was a particularly long flight because I'd done a few flights in the day leading up to it to go to some speaking stuff and that. But uh, I'm glad to be home and cuddling my puppy and seeing my parents and all that stuff. Yeah. Too much flying I find very challenging, Kate. So I hope you're looking after yourself with these long flights. I know. Well, at the moment, there's even more drama with international travel and fears and all that with uh, what's happening in the world. So I just try not to let that get to me and focus on, yeah, getting sleep, getting my vitamins and getting water. Yeah, that's exactly right. And what were you doing? You said you were out here speaking and, and whatnot. Obviously, you know, I'm in LA and, and t- talk to me. So where, where were you? And what were you doing out here? I was based out of um, Princeton, New Jersey, which is a really actually cute American town with the amazing university there. But I spent three months there mainly to see my lovely boyfriend, but also to speak at high schools and also middle schools around the state. So I spoke over in Idaho. I got to go to eastern Idaho and visit schools there. I spoke in Delaware. Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Florida. So I got around and sharing my story to hopefully, you know, teach kids some of the skills they need to build resilience, to overcome adversity, and most importantly, to take care of your mental health um, during those challenging times. Let's rewind the clock a little bit because I do remember and and I want to share how we met. We met in an event almost, it would have been close to 
six and a bit years ago. I swear it was when living was just starting. Oh, out. literally. I think you were like, it was your first ever thing. It'd been like a month, a couple of months, if that. Yeah. And it was at an event in the Sunshine Coast, which you're also speaking at. Yes. Yeah. So rugby league, because Nicole absolutely, like my sister loved rugby league. So they came together and did something for her foundation where all the players wore do you remember what they wore? Those mm. pink jerseys with her face, like the Love Heart logo on it, which was yes. so, so cool. Uh, so I had the opportunity to share my message there, which back then, because of what I did in honor of my sister, was to promote travel safety and to save others from making the mistake she did of not wearing a helmet over on a bike in Southeast Asia. Uh, so it was a huge opportunity, but it was where, yeah, I got the first time to sit down and hear your inspiring story. And back then it would have been what you were hoping to achieve and to do and to create and now it's super cool to sit back and see you doing exactly that so and likewise to you and look how weird <laughs> life is isn't it weird how so, like we met there and then you you may never see someone again and then yeah you're doing podcasts i've been on your on your show and yeah. now you're on my show and then we're just spreading the love kate that's the beauty of it isn't it yeah and and the crazy thing is it's again both born from tragedy and heartache and where it could have been easy for us to take very different paths in response to what we went through. So it's kind of shared inspiration bouncing back and forth between us. So I love it. Nicole's foundation was the flagship foundation of that evening, right? At the All-Stars event. And I was very lucky to be in attendance and get a, a better understanding about, you know, what you've set up and why you set it up. But can we dive a little bit deeper than that? For those people who don't know, Kate, you lost your sister in a motorcycle accident in Southeast Asia. Was it in Thailand? Yeah, it was in Thailand, Koh Samui. So a little island there. Yeah, she was just on, you know, your typical Aussie holiday to a place like that, just really relaxing. She worked on the Channel 9 footy show with Rugby League. Um, she was just one of those people you only needed to meet once. And I honestly still get people to this day be like, I met your sister once and oh my gosh, she just lit up the room. Like she was that kind of girl with just that spark for life and just taking that well-deserved holiday. And I remember looking at her photos on Facebook and like she just posted up like traveling so good for the soul and she was just relaxing on the beach. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I just want to go on a holiday too. Uh, so to wake up to that call on the 20th of October, 2012, you know, 3.37 a.m., I'll never forget the time, just with mum's panicked voice telling me she's been in a serious accident. And like, pray to God she survives because she was going into, rushed into surgery. That moment just rocked me in the biggest way. And life has never been the same since because a few hours later, unfortunately, we found out she she didn't make it through. And just like that, everything I thought I knew about the world and about life and everything shattered in that moment. Yeah, that's, it's life changing, isn't it? And do you have any other brothers or sisters? Yeah, so I've got an, an older brother and um, a sister-in-law who pretty much is like a sister. She's been in the family like 16 years. It, it rocked it. I think the hardest part for me was like, you know, I got the news and I was at my boyfriend's at the time house and I just, you can't breathe like in those moments and you get hurt. It's just like surreal, like the world stops and you're just like, how is it even happening? But the hardest part was because Nicole passed away overseas, like, and mum and dad had already booked their flights to be at her side. I had to physically let go of my mum to go and fly across the world when I just found out that my sister had passed away. And what was even more traumatic is, you know, losing a loved one suddenly is, yeah, as I said, horrific for anyone, but to have it, have it happen in a foreign country. The next week that followed all the complications with who was at fault, who's going to get charged, all this stuff. It was so scary and it was so easy for my family to become bitter about that. But thankfully, through the way Nicole lived her life, it gave me the strength to not just dwell on how she died, but how can I honor the way that she lived and carry on that legacy. So I took the lessons of the travel safety because Nicole would never get on a bike without a helmet here in Australia yet so many of us fall complacent to taking risks that we wouldn't normally take at home when we're over especially in places like Southeast Asia where let's face it the safety standards are so different I wanted to just even try and save one person from that but that obviously didn't happen like an instant overnight thing of course there was a very real grieving deep heavy days of um that followed that sudden news that yeah she's she's never coming back home can we just speak more about the actual event itself i mean in 2012 thailand Koh Samui is an island in thailand i believe it's where people go you know you, you can relax there's full moon parties and, and everything else in between 
I mean, I know travel safety these days is still shambles, especially in places like Bali, right? I was in Bali recently where people aren't wearing helmets still and the odd person may get pulled over. But we're talking back in 2012. Yeah, it's coming up to eight years now, which is yeah. crazy. So many people back then probably w- weren't wearing helmets. I mean, was Nicole over there by herself? Was she with friends? Were they drinking at the time? What What was the, the, the situation like? Like her going into this with no helmet on? So she was with her partner, Jamie, and they'd done a lot of riding around the island and had worn the helmet literally every other time i remember jamie saying that to us and we're like oh yeah whatever but then i saw photos and yeah she always had it on but they'd just gone for a quiet dinner literally one kilometer down the road from where they were staying and i don't know really like i wasn't there so i can't say it but from what i've been told it was like just had the quiet dinner they were a kilometer away from where they were staying and nicole was wearing like a really nice little dress and probably like i know what nicole's like she always looked beautiful did her hair and makeup so she probably was like i don't want to you know put a big ugly helmet on and ruin it and you know that kind of thing so i think they've just jumped on the bike with the mentality that every human being tends to have and oh we'll be right it won't happen to me kind of mentality of like we're just a kilometer down the road and got that little bit complacent and they were literally turning into the driveway of their hotel when another local rider was kind of speeding up along the wrong side of the road and rather than overtaking on the outside he tried to cut them off on the inside when they were turning right into the hotel and just completely blindsided them so Nicole was actually on the back of the bike and Jamie was on the front driving he barely got a scratch but Nicole unfortunately pretty much took the whole impact and the craziest thing happened a couple of years ago. I did an article for one of the news places about travel safety and I had someone reach out to me and it was actually someone who then ran over and laid with Nicole until the ambulance was able to get there. And she said she'd always wondered what had happened to Nicole and then she figured out like when she read the story and that was like six years after the event. And so that was a very raw, real moment for me. Um, I ended up reaching out to her and wanting to talk on the phone It actually gave me some peace to know that someone was there with Nicole during some pretty horrific moments for her. And I don't think Nicole was really with it, but that was just a a crazy occurrence that that happened. But the other thing that always sits at the back of my mind is Jamie was riding along and he said to Nicole, do you want to get ice cream? And she giggled and she goes, no, you're chubby enough. And so they turned into the into the hotel. But now I take it as you should always get ice cream. When you're asked, always get ice cream. But it's those little split second decisions that seem so minute. So doesn't matter. Like, oh, no, I'm going to wear a helmet. Like, you know, just little things that literally end up, you know, changing the rest of your life or ending a life. And it's still like eight years on and I still have days where I go right back to the day of finding out and just in small little ways. And for me, most especially as news comes in or something happens and all I want to do is run to my big sister and then it's still like that pang hits you of like, nah, she's she's not going to be there. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, it's rough. And unfortunately, I'm sure so many listeners who are tuning in can relate to that, that feeling big time. Mm, totally. And it's just like, you know, as I said, I was in Bali recently and I see people driving around with no helmets all the time, you know, people being in accidents and like I don't have the facts or stats. Is there a certain stat in, in Southeast Asia how many Australians are dying every week? So on average, we're losing an Australian tourist in Southeast Asia every 17 and a half hours. So it's crazy. 17 and a half hours. So more than one a day. Yeah. So they're not all entirely accidents, but a high percentage of them are accidents. One Australian like every 17 hours. You don't hear about it though. Like where, where do you hear about this? It's very, very rare. Like my brother's been in a motorcycle accident in Bali and he was very lucky to survive, which... You know, I'll, I'll explain maybe a little bit later, but because it is almost so often that you just don't really hear about it, unless the person, what well, the ones that make the news are the ones that don't aren't covered by insurance or don't have insurance, and so the GoFundMe page, and then they try and raise awareness. But otherwise, it's such a normal, almost occurrence over there. And you know, Thailand have the second deadliest roads in the entire world, and while Australia is number one hundred and sixty-two, like you were literally like six and a half times more likely to end up in a fatal accident over in Southeast Asia than you are here in Australia. Yet in a mind, like of any young tourist who's about to go to Bali, it's like, oh my gosh, yes, let's get on the bike. And it's like, if you wouldn't do it here in Australia without a helmet, please, for the love of God, don't go and do it in a country where you're actually six and a half times more likely to end up 
not just in an accident, but a fatal accident. And that's what real, really fired me up in the weeks after losing Nicole when I am just sitting there and I'm like, how many other poor families have suffered this pain, this exact shock of like, especially on a holiday, like they're supposed to be the best times of your life, not the times it's going to end your life. So I was like, and then when I saw like these statistics of just how many tourists are being killed and how dangerous the roads are, I was like, oh, I've only... Nicole knew the stats like she never would have gotten on that bike or if she'd heard a story like her own she would have been telling me like don't do that that's dangerous like she didn't even go see the elephants in Thailand because I think an elephant had like recently whacked someone at Taronga Zoo or something like she had placed that she's like no mom I'm not gonna do that like that's not they're not always safe but no one had really properly educated her on the dangers and just how often you know tragedy striking on these roads and how yeah so I was like I can't bring her back but I can use my voice to hopefully bring more home safely in her honor. And um, yeah, that's kind of what really fired me up though, was seeing those statistics. Cause, and so many people say, oh, it's just the way it is. Like Aussies are just going to lose their mind over there. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like I always love the quote of like, just because, you know, you can't save everyone doesn't mean you shouldn't try and save someone. And, um, you know, that's what it's all about. Just, just one life. I would have given anything for my someone to have sat my sister down and taught her those lessons so she would have been coming home safely and I just I was determined to do everything within my power to to do the same for everyone else out there well I can tell you right now Kate you have and you've done that numerous amounts of times for other people in their lives and potentially their friends or their family and it's what people are taking away from these sessions and hearing you speak and the impact that this has had on your life and your family's life you know you as you said, you'd do all of this and just to save one person's life or to get your sister back. And these things are still happening. People are still riding with no helmets on. People are still getting in accidents. People are still dying on roads in Southeast Asia, Bali, Thailand. And it's, as you said, it's those one split second, especially when countries like Bali or Thailand, they're not really governed by laws, so to speak, so much when it comes to driving on the road or alcohol and everything else that may be included in this too. So just going down to the shop to grab a drink or just going down there to get transfer money or I'm just going down there to pick up a friend could be the last time you're ever going anywhere. And that's the, the reality that you're instilling in people's lives when you're speaking and delivering your program to, to people all over Australia, especially in high schools. And I think the powerful thing about my presentation is I actually have video footage of Nicole's accident and then a very real recount of Jamie sharing exactly what it was like to make that phone call to my dad to say you know your daughter didn't make it and that just makes it so real for kids to see you know they're just driving along bang out of nowhere like Jamie wasn't doing anything wrong they weren't drinking and all of that and then because they're like you won't get through to teenage boys like they're teenage boys but I literally have them move to tears hugging me going that was so powerful so needed because they can see like you know, they've probably got a girlfriend by that age and things like that and putting themselves in Jamie's shoes and what it would be like for someone that they loved or cared about, like to have to go through that is just as horrific. So that was like where I just try and be real with them and I really open up and share my family's journey in a very real and somewhat confronting way. But they need that. And I'm like, if I can make them feel one hour of heartache where they're like traumatized for an hour and they're like but that stopping them from making that split second decision to get on a bike. Like I want to change the mentality to like, Oh, it's so cool. Like you're not wearing a helmet. Like you're an idiot to not put a helmet on or to even get on that bike because didn't you hear about that poor girl and her family and not, I'm not doing it. And that's why I started like a helmet pledge. Like truthfully, my main message is like, I just, I think the roads are so unpredictable and the helmets are so not that great over there that the most powerful choice you can make is another form of transport, like a tuk-tuk private driver. There's even like a version of Uber and that over there, or we have legs, it's called walking. <laughs> but but if they still want to make that choice, at least put that helmet on and feel empowered that they're, they're taking their safety seriously no matter where they are. And, you know, it's not mum and dad lecturing them, trying to like, you know, wrap them in cotton wool. It's just being real about the reality of our world. Like these countries, they don't have those rules in place and it's not because they care so much about you that it's going to let you run right it's like they just literally they don't the truth is 
they just really have a different value on life than what we do. And that's why those safety rules aren't there as much. And so we can't rely on, you know, in Australia, if something's dangerous, it's often illegal. So we kind of compute the two. If you're able to do it, it mustn't be that dangerous. And we take that same mentality over there and we're like, oh, we're able to do it. Like, so it mustn't be that bad. But the truth is they just have, yeah, very different safety standards. And I couldn't go over to Thailand or to Bali and start going, hey, you should change the way you are and change your culture and put all these rules in place. No, that wasn't going to work. But I realized I could change the mentality that we're taking over to these places. And yeah, the truth is I can't stop everyone and it's going to still continue to be accidents and tragedies as much as I hate that. But I still at least know that I've contributed in some meaningful way. And I've heard stories from kids saying, you know, when I was over there, I was telling my friend and I made a different decision and one woman even told me how her niece, she didn't go on the bike because she'd seen my presentation. Her friend went on the bike and ended up breaking like her jaw and her arm and that because she wasn't an accident. So, you know, by making a different choice, I know I at least kept her niece safe. Like, little things like that where I'm like, that is why I did what I did to carry my sister forward with me and to save even just one life from um, that unthinkable phone call and that tragedy. So... Well, you're definitely doing it, that's for sure. And I'm very sorry to hear about what happened, but you're doing all you can now moving forward to put positivity back in the world and to try and save other people having to go through the same heartache that you and your family have been through. And it's just something that, you know, you can't just wake up one morning and undo a decision that you made, you know. So it's now about being proactive rather than reactive, making better choices. And on that note, I mean, as, as a human, as Kate, when news broke out and all hours of the morning and this is what you know unfolded and you know your sister lost her life what impact did that have on you both mentally physically like how did you keep your shit together in that position at a, such a young age and how did your family come together and like i just want to get a better understanding of that process and that journey that you guys took as a family the first week like i said it was it's it's shock and it's fear I was a lot of fear because we weren't sure if Jamie was going to get back to Australia because I was trying to charge him for the accident when it wasn't even his fault for me it was a lot of hours spent on my bathroom floor because Nicole and I got ready in the bathroom together every morning so that's actually where I feel closest to her and to this day we still have some of like her makeup out like I just have little things in the bathroom downstairs where we used to get ready because I really feel a connection we've had some of our deepest chats there but I did spend many hours just crying there and, and going through that. You know, you want to argue with why and why my family and you're angry. You want to like, I'm curious. I always want to know why and understand things. And, and I realize like with grief, your body is literally then flooded with chemicals to help, particularly in those first couple of months. It's like you're almost running on like this endorphin adrenaline thing to help you literally, like you said, keep your shit together <laughs> somewhat. Like it's literally like the waves, like you, you have the breakdown, but then when you have a big breakdown, your body's really like it's hit with like endorphins to be able to give you the strength to put, pick yourself back up. So I had a friend who was a nurse I was really close to at the time and she really has been around a lot of mortality and grief. So she helped me understand what to expect and things like that. So I think the best thing I did for myself is I felt my feelings. I wrote a lot in a journal. Sometimes you don't want to necessarily speak to someone that feels inclined to try and make you smile or feel better. You just want to like get the emotion out. And so I always felt safe in like this journal where I could just write everything I was feeling and just process that. So that really helped a lot. And then for me, I did go and see like my dad's work got us like a counselor straight away. So I went to those sessions and began talking it through. Nicole had an amazing community of friends. We all came together and, you know, celebrated her life with an amazing memorial and things like that. But a big thing for me was honestly Pinterest. <laughs> and the reason I say that is I started a Pinterest board and it was called Strength of the Heart. And I would scroll for hours and I just started reading quotes after quotes by people from Nelson Mandela through to Viktor Frankl, who'd been through like the Holocaust through to, um, you know, Maya Angelou, like just all these people that it wasn't like, I wanted to start feeling happy about my sister's death. But what I realized is grief is inevitable. And I'm not grieving my sister because I lost her, but because I loved her. Like that is where grief comes from. It comes from love. And so it wasn't like I was trying to talk myself out of the pain, but I realized I could compound my pain with further resentment and anger and, you know, just arguing with like this bitterness, or I could begin to lift my pain up, like uplift it and heal it with a sense of, 
gratitude was huge. Like rather than focusing on, I don't get the next 60 years with my sister. It was like, thank goodness I got 20 years with her. Like the only mm, way I can, you can lose someone is to have had someone, right? We can't lose something that we never had. That you so don't have. Yeah, yeah, it's true. all I realized, hang on a second. Whatever comes next is just a matter of perspective and what I focus on. Like the circumstance itself, like that guy who killed my sister may have had the power to take her life, but he has no power over the impact it has on my life because he cannot take the one thing that no one can touch. And that is our space between our ears. And by realizing this and being driven by the love that I still have for my sister, that again is something he can never take from me. I stepped up and I was like, every day I get on this earth is another day that my sister didn't. And it's up to me to make the most of it. And through every time my brain wanted to tell me, but no one understands what I'm going through. Like my friends, I love them to death that I've gone to school with, but it was suddenly like I'd grown another head. They didn't know what to do with me. What do you do when someone's sisters die? Like at such, like, like I was, what, what do you mean? Like what to say? How to, yeah. Like, like, do they like invite kind of, you out on the weekend? Do they not call you? Do they give you a space? Like it's like, it's like a fine line, isn't it? Yeah. With that community and friendship. So talk more about that. Yeah. Well, and I want to say for anyone who's going through grief, I've done a very real episode on what it's like when someone doesn't understand your grief on, on my podcast because it's it's really, it can be so alienating. And that, again, is what grows the resentment of like they don't understand what I'm going through. And back then, yeah, I felt really isolated because I didn't really hear from a lot of them for a while. You'd get like the odd text, but they wanted to like keep you at arm's length because it's uncomfortable, right? Like, what do you say? And then anything you do say is like, oh, they're in a better place. It's like, stuff you. And like, you know, so it's like this stuff. And back then I, I struggled a bit with that. But now I can look and see like every time someone's like, they don't understand. I'm like, yeah, they don't. And do you think that they should? Like, how is someone supposed to understand grief until they've actually gone through it? Like, yeah, it's really, themselves. yeah, like it's hard. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. To know, I know I, before I lost my sister, I'm sure I said some pretty insensitive, uneducated, unaware things. Just like, you know, but... Their intention is coming from a good place. A good that they place. just they love you. They want to see you happy again. But the truth so is, so what would have helped you? What so so from a from a friend? Let's talk about this community that you had of amazing friendship circles and and everything else. What could someone who's not aware 
that has never really dealt with trauma because there's a lot of people listening that have probably never dealt with the serious trauma or losing a, a sibling or a family member. What would have been the best thing for someone to do in those times for you who hadn't come from a place of understanding? How could they best give you comfort and security and safety and love and and all that what what can i do the first thing is to reach out like little things i've noticed like when someone's in deep pain like they've just gone through, yeah the news that they've lost someone that they love or something like that even just little things like rather than saying like hey how are you going it's like hey how are you going this hour like making it specific because it's just like when you're going through something deep it's like hour by hour you make it through each day and so I think that is like let's just focus in on this moment this moment this hour like how are you going you're doing okay I remember my friend Lindsay she was just like a guardian angel for me like pretty sure it was that morning she ended up coming over and I opened the gate and I'll never forget it was just she was standing there with two coffees and just her arms wide open and she wasn't scared to sit with me in my pain And so now I call it like holding the space for the pain and, you know, allowing that person to be in deep pain and knowing that they don't need you to fix them. Like they just need you to be with them as they feel that and to not feel alone. And people are like, I don't know what to say. You know what? You don't need to say anything. Like when someone's like, and that's actually something I've passed along as advice is be honest with that person and say, you know what? I don't know what to say right now. I want to be here for you. I love you so much and I'm in pain for your pain. I don't know what to say. And like for me, it was like, oh, thank goodness because anything you probably said would have probably just not been helped anyway. But when someone's being real with me, that they're like, and I can see they're um, like feel uncomfortable, but they're still willing to show up and hold the space for my pain. Like that is so powerful for someone. And I think as well, like remember they're still the person that you love right? Like I think it's like I haven't changed, like a lot about me has changed, but at the end of the day, I'm still a human being and I'm still going to take a moment like to want to, you know, have a bit of a laugh or just talk about things as well. It's not like... It's all doom and gloom yeah, and like it's like, touchy subject and, yeah. and everything else in between. Like, oh, I can't talk to them and that. I can't try and crack a joke or tell them something funny because this is not the right topic. Like, yeah, like it's I get like, what you're saying. And I think, and I mean, it's down to, that's the other thing to remember because it's a very unique journey grief so I'm not saying what I say Mm -hmm. stands for everyone but for me I really appreciated when someone was just able to give me like you know a bit of comic relief you know what else say me which is so funny that I think about it you'll know what this is any Americans but I have no idea what you're talking about summer heights high I watched that non-stop because of the comic relief I just wanted to find a way to laugh again and to have and a bit a of release. a have a bit of a break and Mr. G and Jonah and everyone is just <laughs> so ridiculous that I searched it out and I allowed just 20 minutes of my day and I think that's like survivor's guilt is something that a lot of people struggle with they think if I start feeling happy again if I start laughing again then it's a sign that I don't care about them anymore but I believe it's the exact opposite. But you will be willing to show up and make the most of your life. That is a way of honoring them so much more. But that's something I was also very aware of. Like when the voice wants to come, like, oh, you're laughing again without them. Like, you know, how dare you? Like, blah, blah. But I was like, what would Nicole really want? She'd be like, get the F up and start doing something. Like, you know, like it sounds cliche, but she literally knew how short life was like we spoke about you know having kids when you're older versus having kids when you're younger because like if you have them when you're young then you get your life back when you're like 50 and she's like but what if you don't live that long and I was like what do you mean like I'm living till I'm eight I'd like I'd never thought about that but confronting my own mortality at a young age is one of the best things that's ever happened to me it has humbled me it stopped making me take myself so seriously I'm like we're all human beings no matter how much you do or don't achieve in this lifetime we all go to the same like so just I think that's one of the biggest things our society we're all trying to take ourselves way too seriously these days because everyone can judge us thanks to social media constantly but I'm just always reminded that I get no say in how long I'm, I'm here for and I certainly don't want to spend so much time trying to 
prove myself by going 100 miles an hour and not really taking the time to be kind, to appreciate, to hang out with family and friends and then turn around. It was like, what was that even all for? Because at the end of the day, people aren't celebrating what you achieved, but ultimately, yeah, the impact you had on their life and how you made them feel when they were around you and things like that. So, Amen to that. And that's very, very important. And I think that our life's changed once something bad has happened or a traumatic experience has happened in our life for us to sit up and like our blinkies go, okay, now it's time to do something to make a difference, to, to channel that pain as something positive, to make a difference in other people's life. But how can we inspire everyone to take a proactive approach rather than waiting for something like losing your sister or losing a friend to do something great for the world? That is something that I try and ask myself every single day. You know, you hear so many amazing stories, so many people doing so much good for the world, but it's generally started from a very sacred, special place. How can we start doing things from a very sacred, special place without having to go through the pain? Or do you think the trauma and the pain is necessary to be able to do something like this? That's a good question. And I'm sure there's probably studies that show it both ways because I really know like it's through going through the difficulties that you're able to grow resilience because you have the opportunity to, to, to practice these like skills and, and, and realize these things. But I think like you can begin to make an impact with your life without having to go through the trauma if A, the people who have gone through the trauma are able to and willing to and choose to share their story in a very real, very raw, vulnerable way that connects to that human where they're almost able to put themselves in their shoes and be like, wow, like imagine if that happened to me and viscerally feel their emotions with them and go through it in a traumatic like way that they feel then inspired to like, hey, I'm not going to sit around and wait till my life's turned upside down like that. I realize that there are people around me everywhere that have this happening and I can do something to support them or make a difference. So I think that's one thing. And then also I think some people think like when we're saying you got to go out and impact the world to make a difference, they've got to go and start the next Live-In or the next Nicole Fitzsimons Foundation and do something huge and crazy and like devote their whole life to it. It's a simple everyday little acts of kindness which actually ripple through the world to create a better place and to change someone's days. Yeah, so, you know, it's as simple as slowing down and just like I just love having a chat to my baristas at my cafe. I don't know what kind of day they're having or, you know, just being like holding the door open for someone with a bit of a smile and, you know, that person could think like everyone's an asshole today, no one cares about me. You don't know the impact you've had just by holding that door open for them. And so I think it's like it's you can change the world through those small but meaningful acts of kindness and remembering like, hang on, the world isn't revolving around me. There's 7 billion other people in this world today and they're all having a day. (laughs) We're all having a day where there's things not going to... Yeah, and so... And everyone's human, you know? Yeah, if we can kind of show them like, hey, this is a bigger example and if you want to go after what I'm doing and do a like I get that all the time I'm sure you probably do too like how do you start what you did and blah 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 that's awesome but then I also realize kids are like oh well I don't really like and it's like no 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 you don't need to do that you just need to be like my thing all about any situation I'm showing up in I'm just like just something really small yeah am I being kind am I being brave like am I speaking my truth am I you know helping someone out this there's so many opportunities every day to be a kind human and to connect with someone and I think we just need to keep that in perspective and remind ourselves like at the end of each day how do you measure your impact with the programs at the moment you're you're delivering programs at high schools what does impact mean to you and where to from here with the with the foundation and and the the travel safety programs that you're delivering at so i've done a bit of a pivot now i primarily speak about resilience and, and mental health and stuff and sharing my story in that way especially like over in the u.s and impact for me is I've never since the beginning been able to put a number to my impact, but that doesn't worry me. Like the last thing I'm kind of motivated by now is, is numbers. Like my whole life used to be around, revolve around my dress size and how much money I was going to earn and all that stuff. And for now, it's more the feeling I get in the room whilst I'm talking and after I'm talking. And even one student, I tell myself one heart, one mind in this room, I hope walks out changed because of one thing that I said then my job is done and so I feel that each time a student comes up and says a genuine thank you and and shares something and and lets me know it's the feedback from the kids that matters most to me 
Um, I don't know the exact number. I get messages and then I also know there's people that won't message me that hopefully have been touched by it and things like that. Yeah, and it's the people that continue to take your message on into their life and then tell somebody else. And then it's it's like a ripple effect in its own right. And it's really hard sometimes to quantify things like this because you're speaking to people at their journey in life and you don't know whereabouts you've come into their journey in life, you know? whether they've already had something similar or if you're coming in after they may have lost someone or they're about to go on a trip. It's sometimes very complicated and I find the space is very complicated, but there is no doubt that you're making an amazing impact. You're saving lives. There is no doubt about that. You're obviously continuing the legacy in your sister's name and and saving lives and you're trying to live out your best life and not have to, you know, I don't know you do your best to and, and you've just explained it, not dwelling on the past so much, but you definitely use that every single day, which I'm sure motivates you and will oh, help yeah. drive you to the next day and to the next day and to the next day. And you can't have great days all the time either, can you, Kate? And how do you manage your days? Like, I mean, telling the story over and over again, even on this podcast right now, talking about it, bringing it back up, speaking about your sister, digging deep and, and going to those safe places again. How do you manage your own emotions? How do you manage yourself? What advice could you give to someone in terms of, ways that they could maybe manage themselves to live better and happier and healthier? Well, firstly, I think it's an honor that nearly eight years on, I'm still able to speak about my sister every single day and introduce her to the world and keep that spirit of her alive with me. Like that was my main goal when she died. I was like, I I can't, I can't fathom a world where she's not a part of my every day. I think for me, like I still feel the emotion of losing her every time I speak about it. And, you know, I get the phone call and everything like that. But it's so meaningful and and like that's what Viktor Frankl taught like a man who knows his why can suffer any like how and you know it's not about avoiding suffering it's about finding meaning in it that's how we get through an experience better rather than bitter I think that's for me it's like I'm not happy my sister died but I found my purpose in it in my pain so it wasn't in vain and the beautiful thing is every single one of us gets to make that choice what are we going to make this bad thing mean that is up to us because the things happening outside of us they don't have power over us it's in our thoughts and our meaning and interpretation that we bring power to them and that's going to determine the impact and so I think you know we can't really tell why things do or don't happen we can't perfectly predict the future but where does that leave us with a choice and why not choose to see the most unwanted painful horrific things in your life as not just out to ruin your life but as an opportunity for you to find some some sort of meaningful purpose in it so you can contribute connect and just be there for other people in this world with more depth and understanding because you understand what it's like to suffer so you know not every day is a good day but there's something good in every day and it's up to us to to look for it and I think that's how we get through some of the tough times of being human just with an with an open heart and just give up the idea that the purpose in life is to be happy in the sense that I mean then if we think life is all about being happy the second that we're not we think something's gone terribly wrong but if we can pivot our purpose to be more about growth and contribution that's when you realize, well, wow, most of that comes from the hard times in life. And I live a life that I am so grateful for and I, I, I love with every minute of it. Well, not really every minute. Some of it's really hard, but that's the point. Like I live, I'm living the life of my dreams, but it's also, I am uncomfortable at least 50% of the time. I'm, you know, having to do things that require not happiness, they require like determination, courage, bravery, which being means- Being out of your comfort zone, yeah. stepping out of that comfort zone, trying new things, being vulnerable. A hundred percent. And all that. But that's I, not easy. I think, it, yeah, no, it's not easy, but I think a lot of what you're saying is also comes from a lot of training and a lot of, you know, mindset work, which I know that you've done and I know that you do every day. And I think going through a traumatic experience like you have, I could relate in my own regard- is you're almost forced to train your brain to deal with emotions so that you become better equipped to deal with other problems that that arise so that therefore your perspectives change i think a big part of everything that you've said is about how you view things you know in trauma in a good day or a bad day what what is something that uh, a key contributor or a key takeaway that you can bring out of that to better move yourself forward in a positive way rather than something negative and something that's detrimental to your health and well-being and i think it all starts with perspective but unfortunately and and i'm sure you'd agree with me when i say this not everyone is like you and i 
not everyone has a has a very open mind where they can easily you know look at something that's negative and then try and look at it and say hang on what is this teaching me rather than you know the majority of people will be like i don't understand why this is happening to me it doesn't feel right i'm sick of things happening it's always negative and they don't have the skills to pivot and they don't have the skills to look at it from a different angle or a different approach whereas some people do do you think that that's come off your past eight or so years dealing in this space, dealing with people, researching, reading? Yeah, oh, 100%. Like it's been many, many hours and years of, of practice and training and reading and taking it on and absorbing and processing. But I will challenge you to say that those people, because you called it a skill and a skill in it within itself is something that means you can get better at with practice. And so I would say that those people out there haven't got the skills yet because Resilience is a skill that can be learned and developed in anyone. The problem is they've got to be willing to firstly step up and make that choice. And I totally acknowledge there are very real chemical imbalances in the brain that cause clinical, you know, um, conditions in the brain that require medical and clinical intervention and treatment. And I am all for that, you know, seek the support that you need. But what I teach and believe in is right along, not instead of that support, but right alongside it to help you become more resilient. And the one thing that robs resilience is blame and saying that it's their fault I'm so unhappy it's their fault my life is the way that it is and for my example like the circumstances my sister died and if I'd stayed in that negativity of he's ruined my life that driver that shouldn't have happened all this stuff it would have had me feeling and acting in ways that actually brought that visible reality to life because feeling negative and depressed causes me to withdraw not do what I love as much and as a result that would have been it and it could have been me pointing the finger and saying it's his fault he ruined my life and I wanted to see that and I love showing that to people and breaking it down like that because as tempting as it is to want to hold on to blame and negativity as a way to punish the world or that person for what they did truthfully the only person that holding on to blame punishes is you that other person doesn't feel your feelings they're off living their life regardless of how angry or bitter you are and then we're just stuck feeling miserable and helpless because we've handed our power over to what we can't control and we're actually adding to the one thing we're outraged against and that is the negativity in the world like getting negative about the negative things out there it only adds to it and so i'm not telling that so people start judging themselves for it but it's very, and when you say like people instantly get negative, that's a sign of a healthy human brain because our brain has a negativity bias, which causes what I call ants and that's automatic negative thoughts. So yes, you're going to instantly feel negative and all of that, but the skill you got to practice is what I call like my three R's, which is probably for a different podcast. It's like, but it's just about recognizing our thoughts, like separating out the facts and seeing that, oh, no wonder I'm so stressed out. No wonder I feel so depressed. Like I'm thinking this has completely, you know, ruined my life and recognizing those as just thoughts, like sentences in our minds and they feel very real to us. But one of the best words of advice I got is just because you have a thought doesn't make it true. doesn't mean you have to believe it. And so we can stop living at the effect of our thoughts, but become more of a watcher of them and recognizing like what's going on. And yeah, that's a skill that, that takes practice, but just like every other skill, if you commit to beginning to repeat and watch, like you get better at it. Like it's how we learn how to walk. We were terrible. We fell down 39 times a day on average as babies, but it wasn't like after the first 10 times, we're like, yeah, this walking thing's just not for me. <laughs> you know, we, we were committed that eventually we'd practice, we'd get there. And that's how I've gotten to where I am today. So I think the main focus I am passionate about breaking through for kids is what Martin um, Seligman calls the three P's. And that's what causes helplessness in the um, face of adversity is the perspective that revolves around the idea that it's permanent. Like it's always going to be this bad. My life, like the idea that it's pervasive, like this one thing, like that one breakup has now ruined your entire life and there's nothing good about your life. And the idea that it's personal, like the world's just out to get me. Bad things only happen to me. And so through my work, I show youth how, None of those are actually factually true. And I show it in different kind of ways that kind of bends their minds a little to realize. And then I teach them my strategy. And so my mission in life now is to teach those three R's to as many people as I can and then continue to provide the support and inspiration they need to keep practicing, keep picking themselves back up with every meltdown because we all have them and recognize that the meltdowns are a part of being human as well. And it's all okay. They absolutely are a part of life. And that's the beauty of life. It's it's never perfect and it's never always bad and it's never always mediocre and it changes quite fast. But 
you know, obviously, Kate, we could speak for days. There's a lot of things we have in common. You're doing amazing work in the world. How can people find you? Where do people go to, to, to learn more about the work that you're up to? Where to from here? Sure. So um, so for my resilience uh, presentations and my online coaching for youth, um, you can go to katefitzsimons.com. So that's F-I-T-Z. I'm glad I'm back in Australia and can say Z now instead of Z. <laughs> F-I-T-Z-S-I-M-O-N-S. Com and also on my Instagram account, I'm very active on there daily, um, posting up some coaching and mindset stuff. So that is at Kate Marie double E underscore fits. So yeah, I'd love to connect with you guys or if any of you want to ask me any questions or even challenge me on some of my ideas, you know, I'm all about that. I love deep discussions, diving in and um, yeah, just uh, continuing the discussion of mental health because as I am wearing... It ain't weak to speak. So uh, thank you so much for that. No, I appreciate you coming on to the show, Kate. You're, you're always a light. You're doing great things for a lot of people. I think you've got to be proud of what you've created and the life that you're, you're living. I think there's a lot of, lot of lives that you've changed for the better. And I, and I think there's a lot, of, a lot of great things that are going to happen for you in your future. And I'll include all of this stuff in the show notes uh, so everybody can dial in and follow you. Uh, they can locate you. I'll also probably pinch a few takeaways from you and uh, hand them out once we get the Facebook group up. People will be able to speak more after after the podcast and the Facebook group where we can share more. We can give out some tools, techniques, strategies, any handouts that you may give out at schools or, yeah, or workplaces that um, people could benefit from. So I appreciate your time. Thank it's you. been a pleasure speaking with you. I appreciate your support. And uh, I just want to say good luck. Keep up the great work. And uh, we will speak very soon. Cheers. And thank you for everything you're doing in the world, Sam. It's, it's so needed and it's making a difference. So an honor to be here. Thank you. It ain't weak to speak. Thank you very much, Kate, for, for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you again for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Weak to Speak. Please like, share and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at livin.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you, but in the meantime, stay well, keep living, and remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you and have a top day. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.